Let's now move to um, what a service might be like inside of the prison. And it might shock you in some ways um, because of what I'm allowed to do. But the first thing I would do is I would greet every single person who comes through the door. Now, I wasn't able to do that this evening, but I would do that. And I'd look you in the eye, and I'd shake your hand, and I'd welcome you into the service. That's actually very important, because I may be having eye communication with them uh, during the service. So if you're chatting in that back row, because that's why you're sitting there, isn't it? So you can talk to each other? Oh, it's not. They're well trained here, so it's excellent. I love it. Yes, well, very often the back row, um, I usually go over to them and I say to them, you realize that the back row is where we have the best singers. Thank you so much for sitting there, because I know we can count on you. And then I'll be looking at them during the service to make sure, and I might go like this, that they sing up for me. All right, but uh, we need someone now to read the scriptures to us. So I'm looking around, and I think this lady here is going to read the scriptures for us. So would you kindly um, come up and uh, read John chapter 3, verses 1 through to 21. The rest of you can be open your Bibles in the meantime. And by the way, guys, that's about as much notice I've got on who to choose to read the scriptures for me. Because I haven't got the foggiest who's going to be in my service. And just in case you don't know the page... No, I'm kidding you, there it is. It's in English. <laughs> yes, it is in English. Yes. Uh, wait, what language did you want to read it in? In English. Good. One, so, two... John chapter 3, verses 1 through to 21. Thank you. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. I hope there are no hard words in here. You've done the hardest <laughs> Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's only begotten Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. The, um, the, the other prisoners would clap for that. Um, I, <laughs> but you, I want to direct it into the right place. So I say, well, if you're going to clap, please give the, give the praise to the right person. And I know that's what our sister would want, you see. So, um, so that's what we do. All right, so have you got your Bibles open? Yes? Everyone got your Bibles open to John chapter 3? It's um, tremendous, isn't it, this passage? So it starts off with this man called Nicodemus. And we've got any Nike wearers here? Anybody wear Nike stuff? Yes, what does Nike mean? <laughs> That's the logo. Logo is just do it. But what does Nike or is it Nike? How do you pronounce it? Help me out here. I'm an old fella. Is it Nike? Do you say Nike? What does it mean? No, it doesn't mean no idea. That's not it. No. no. Messenger of what? Of victory. And that's what this guy's name means. It, it actually means victor over the people. Now, what do you know about Nicodemus? Have a look with me. It's all in here. Because, you see, I'm not going to tell you anything that's not here. And if you learn to find it in here, then God is really going to help you even when you're in your cell reading the Bible. So let's see what we can see about Nicodemus, first of all. We're not going to be long, so you've got to keep your focus, right? Especially on that back row there. Yes? Good. Okay. So who was he? He was a Pharisee, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It means that he was dedicated, and it means that he is really zealous for his cause. Now, there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, and what's the difference? Why is a Sadducee a Sadducee? Tell me the old line. Because he's sad, you see, because he doesn't believe in the resurrection. Am I right or am I right? If you get stuck, just say right. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, good. Right, so that's the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee. So these guys did actually believe in the resurrection, and so did Nicodemus. What else do you know about him? He was a victor, he was a ruler over the Jewish council. Go down to verse 10, and he was also Israel's teacher. So he's a man of prominence, and a number of people would have looked to him for his teaching. So this was quite a religious fellow, wasn't he? And known by many. Now let's see what he knows about Jesus. Help me out in verse 2. What does it say? He came to Jesus at night. Let's not get into that one, although John picks it up again in chapter 19. And what did he say? Rabbi. What does rabbi mean? How do you know that? Because it tells you. We know you are a teacher. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher. All right? It's always in there. Don't get fooled. It's always in there. Right. Jesus he was a rabbi. What else do we know about him? What's the next bit? Who has come from God. So he's a teacher. He's come from God. And the next one, hit me with that. What's the next one? What did he do? 
perform miracles. Did Nicodemus believe the miracles were real? Yes, he did. All right, so he's a rabbi, in other words, a teacher. He's come from God. He did miracles, and God was with him. What didn't Nicodemus know about Jesus? Now, I'm never one to embarrass anyone, but if you're not quick, I'm going to start doing it. So come on, help me out here. So what didn't Nicodemus know? What didn't he say? He didn't say he's the son of God, did he? He didn't say he was God. He didn't understand that. So Jesus immediately comes down on him to make sure he's right. Does he? No, he doesn't. Now look, I know a number of you are really zealous in your witnessing. And uh, I was asked to compare a Christian quiz night. And this dear lady brought along... 15 non-Christians. Um, I think she had the record um, for that night. 15 non-Christians. So we went through the quiz night. And afterwards, um, and so I'm sowing the seeds as we're sort of going through. And afterwards, she brings up this troop of people to speak to me. It's absolutely wonderful what she was doing. And when the first one began to, to say something, she was correcting every other sentence that this lady was saying. No, 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 you don't mean that because the Bible says. No, 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 you don't mean that because the Bible says this. Jesus did not say to Nicodemus at that point, you've got it wrong. There's a big lesson for us there. In our zeal, as we want to win that sailmate to Christ or that officer on the landing, in our zeal, sometimes we need to just step back. Is that right or is that right? Listen, have you ever figured out why the Bible is so difficult to read? Is it because God didn't do a very good job and he needs you to really explain it to people? Was that the idea? No, it wasn't, was it? <laughs> so why do you think it is that you can read parts and actually think that uh, Jesus was talking about cannibalism in chapter 6? Why, why is it so difficult? When I was reading John chapter 1 back in 1979, I was really stuck on this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What in the world is that talking about? I didn't get it at all. So I phoned up my father, who had just come to Christ about six months previous. And I said, Dad, I said, what does this mean? He said, I'm not going to tell you. He said, if I tell you, you will think you know, and you won't. Seek the Lord until you find out. I paced up and down for nearly two weeks trying to figure out what this meant. All I had to do was read on to verse 14, but I wasn't that smart. So, but when I got it, and when I understood who Jesus was, it just, that was it. Transformation. When you're reading this, and you get stuck, yes, you can ask questions, of course you can, but many of you will be frustrated by me saying, I'm not going to tell you, seek God. Because when you seek God, there's something that happens in the seeking of him that brings the transformation. Am I right or am I right? 
So if you're trying to win your cellmate to Christ and you keep bashing him over the head with it, that's one thing. But if you speak in mysteries, it's another thing. Why were the parables written? Was it to explain everything so it was really easy? Or was it to hide the truth? It was to hide it. And yet us Christians, we think we're so smart that we've got to unpack everything so it's so easy for everyone. Listen, the mysteries are there so that we dangle the mysteries in front of people that they will seek God. And it's in the seeking of God that they will come to know him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Because that's what the that's what the Bible's like. And when you read this, especially John's gospel, it places it so difficult, you just have to keep asking and asking and asking. So I have people come to my Bible studies during the week, and they say to me, David, I just don't get this. Pastor, can you explain this to me? And I say, can you tell me one thing? Did you pray about it before you read it? No, no, I didn't. I thought I'd ask you. (laughs) Problem. You need to pray about it. You need to talk to God. You need to wrestle with God. Right. I promise we'll be finished by nine, so please don't worry. Okay, so here we go. Now, this is a genuine question to you all, all right? Which comes first? I'm going to give you four options. Which comes first? Do you see the kingdom? Do you enter the kingdom? Do you receive Jesus Christ? Or are you born again? Which one comes first? See, the thing is, you're in church and you're so scared to be wrong, aren't you? I mean, it's it's a difficult place to be. But somebody, listen, I'll give you permission to give me wrong answers, all right? How does that feel with you? So give me an answer, anyone. Sir, which one is it? Which of the four? See, enter, receive, born again. Doesn't matter if you're wrong. Receive. See? See? Born again? You thought you'd escape, didn't you? What, what do you think? Born again. You see, it's got to be born again. Now, why must it be born again? Well, because when we talk about born again, we often talk about born again Christian, thinking of the finished work. But here, come with me and have a look. Look at that verse 3. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Go down to verse 5. What does it say? You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and the Spirit. Who loved who first? Did you love God first, or did he love you first? When did he set his love upon you, and when did he choose you? Even before the foundations of the earth. So this first section is all about God. Now... If you're born of God, you could be born of God and not even know it at this moment because the final bit hasn't taken place. You haven't entered, you haven't seen, but God is doing this work. And something strange has happened to you. You suddenly wanted to read the Bible. Or you wanted to come along to church. Or that Christian who always annoyed you and aggravated you, you want to go and speak to about God. Listen, these are some of the signs that God is working in your life. We call it regeneration. 
So God is at work, and you're keen to win your cellmate, whoever, to the Lord. You need to watch out for these signs and see how God is working. Now let's go on to the next section. So, and by the way, this religious man is just not getting this. And if you want some encouragement, if you were brought up in a religious household, for instance, or if you think you know this stuff, and Nicodemus clearly didn't know it, because twice Jesus has had to remonstrate with him, the second time is, verse 9, Nicodemus, how can this be? Jesus said, you're Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. Go to chapter 7, you have to do it now, but go to chapter 7, verse 50 and 52, and you find that Nicodemus is now arguing on the Lord's behalf. Go to chapter 19, and you see that the secret disciple Joseph and Nicodemus take the Lord's body to the tomb. I think he's converted by then. What do you think? (laughs) I think he is, but here, I don't think he is. So God does this work, and he's working in a person, but some it can take a time. For in the next chapter, the Samaritan woman, I think it happens all in one session. Right, so now we go to the next bit. Verse 11 can be a little bit controversial. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I noticed that the New King James has got capitals for all the W's. And I actually agree with that. I think it is talking about the Trinity. And the reason I think that is that John the Baptist clearly didn't know what he was talking about at that time. Neither did the disciples at that time. And they would catch up later. And Jesus himself then talks about, you don't understand earthly things, so you need to hear from the man from heaven, etc. But anyway, that's a minor point. But the big point is this. You are going to have believe mentioned eight times. So the Spirit of God comes, and he begins to do that work in you. You're beginning to read your Bible. You now want to come to church. And suddenly, if you're in a Christian household, mum and dad have suddenly become wise because up until that point, they were always wrong. And now you're suddenly beginning to agree with them about things of the Bible. And now there's something to do. It's believe. Just come with me and and see what we've got here. I've spoken to you of earthly things. You do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven, big clue, guess who he's talking about. Um, No one has gone into heaven except he who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, you might need to know a little bit of stuff from the Old Testament. And it's this. The people had rebelled against God. God has sent in the snakes, and they were poisonous snakes, they'd be bitten and they would die. God instructs Moses to put the problem as a brazen or a bronze snake to lift it up on a pole so as they lift up the problem to God, they would be delivered. 
That kind of belief says this. You've got to do something. You've got to take an action. Now don't get me wrong. The action will never be worthy and will never qualify you for salvation. It is the belief. But it's the action, as James says, that shows you've really got belief. Because you can believe something as far as acknowledging it in your head. The devil does that. The demons do that. Luke 4.41, even the demons believed who he was. But there's no action. There's no real trust. Let me tell you about a chap called Lloyd. Lloyd came up to me and he said, David, he said, this gospel thing is really getting to me. He said, I know I've got to follow Jesus. But I don't want to. Why not? Well, because I'm earning my living by selling spice as a drug. And they are paying the money into an account that then pays, that then is forwarded to my wife. She doesn't know where it's coming from, but that is how she's being provided for, and my children. If I follow Jesus Christ, I know I can't do that, so I don't know what I'm going to do. For two weeks, he managed to avoid me. Then he came out to me, he said, David, he said, I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and I finished with that stuff. He said, I haven't phoned my wife. And he hadn't phoned her for another two weeks. It was one month he hadn't phoned her. He was too scared. And this guy was sort of like six foot eight and, you know, arms like, I don't know. He was a powerful guy. He was scared to death to phone his wife and say, there's no money coming in. Anyway, the visit came. She came. And the very first thing she did is she threw her arms around him. He said, the way she came at me, I thought she was going to deck me. (laughs) But she threw her arms around him and hugged him and said, Oh, Lloyd, everything is going so well. He said, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? She said, you know, there's a job that I always wanted to get do. It's a dream job for me. And I started asking the Lord to bring transformation in our family. And he gave me the job. And the transformation has been going on in our family. He said, phew. And he came back and he gave testimony on the prison radio that Jesus Christ is to be trusted. But can you see that kind of trust is real trust, is real belief. So when I tell you that it's not just believing in your head, but there will be an issue that you are going through. It might be a family issue. It might be a health issue. It might be a financial issue. But the the real thing is this. Do you trust Jesus or don't you? And that's what he's looking for from every one of us. We come to Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior. He washes us with his blood. When he died on that cross, he literally paid for my sins. And I trust him to take my wretchedness and my sinfulness from me. The sins I've committed before a holy God, I trust him to do that. But you know, I've got to trust him for that next step. My family for over two years now has been battered left, right and center and every week there seems to be a new thing that we're getting battered on 
um, my daughter. Um, she nearly died giving birth to her little baby girl. And the little baby girl, there's all sorts of complications. And that was back in May, and it's ongoing. Uh, I could tell you story after story. So you have your challenges, I have mine. But the question I'm asking you is, do you trust Jesus? Let me just finish with this one more story. Just come with me down to the second most famous verse in the whole of the Bible. For God so loved the, the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's only begotten son. I've got four children. Well, they're all grown up. Three of them are married. One of them's a a missionary in the States, and one's a a pastor in Woolwich. Um, uh, My daughter and her husband, they they really love the Lord, and they're serving the Lord wonderfully. Um, And my youngest son was a a chaplain in Brixton. He's now a detective in Suffolk, but I'm sure he'll come back to his senses. But no, he's still preaching, and he's he's a great young man. Now, imagine, I'm walking along the side of a river, with, let's take my youngest son. And we get on really, really well. I get on well with all my children. We're walking along, and uh, there's a river, a fast-flowing river, and just down about 200 meters is a waterfall. You go over there, you're dead. We're walking along, we're talking, we're chatting, and I tell you, we've got the kind of relationship that if we're working on a project, I could start it, he could finish it. He could start it, I could finish it. I can start a sentence, he knows me. And we could finish each other's sentence. It's that kind of relationship. Really good, great humor, etc. Man in river, about to drown. My son looks at me, takes off his coat, throws it to the floor, kicks off his shoes, dives in. He gets the guy and he drags him to the bank. I take the man's hand in my hand and I pull him up. But my son is swept away to his death over the waterfall. The man eventually gets up and he starts to kind of cry himself. And as he walks away, he says, stupid kid, what would you want to do with that man? Tell me the truth. What would you want to do? Throw him back in. And that seems like justice, doesn't it? Now, true, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, so you mustn't, and neither must I. But that would seem like justice to every single one of us, wouldn't it? So how do you think it's going to be on that great day when Jesus Christ literally laid down his life And it wasn't just a physical suffering. You think about the worst moment you've ever been through in your life. All of that is laid upon Jesus Christ. He died that you and I might have our sins forgiven, that we might live a life that is pleasing to him. And we go to the Father on that great day when we're called before him and we die. Can you see the insult that would be? I'd want to kick him back in. We condemn ourselves. Let's pray.
Our Father and our God, we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the sacrifice that he made. We pray, Lord, that as we communicate the truth of the gospel to others, that we try to do it as the Bible does it. That we don't try to do ABC. But we give mysteries. We speak parables. We speak where men and women, boys and girls, will have to seek God. And Father, for ourselves, we pray for ourselves that we would be those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to make him our Lord and our Savior. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.